Good morning, and welcome to episode 672 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hi. Howdy. Anything to say? Not Nothing. No, nothing today. Huh. Well, I guess this podcast is over, because it depends okay. on us saying things. I'll ask you something. <laughs> okay, please do. So as of right now, as of this moment, Bryce Harper has 1.5 wars, and Mike Trout has 1.8 wars. Mm. By warp, it's 1.8 to, to 2, with Trout has the, the, the narrow edge. And, uh, and I just was thinking about this because of our, our bets, uh, Bogarts discussion. Those two are another pair that will forever be linked as prospects. And uh, there was always this debate about who you would take more. And while we were talking about Bogarts and bets, I was kind of thinking to myself, I wonder when it was that that quit being a debate. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to a wedding in June of Trout's rookie year. And at that point, Trout was the best player in baseball. Uh, and Harper had been up for about a month and a half or so, and my uh, my aunt asked me who, who you know which one was better, and I was just beginning work on that trout feature that I did for ESPN the Mag that summer, and the answer was it seemed like like three months earlier I I think we had probably talked about it or no we hadn't we hadn't recorded a podcast yet but uh, we could have debated it and it would have been I don't know probably fifty fifty in either direction, but by that point it felt like that I was really going out on a limb by saying Harper. I still thought Harper, even at that point. And I, I would say that three weeks or a month later... I think before that season, probably Harper would have won that debate, right? Because Trout was coming off his not-so-good first 150 plate appearances or whatever it was, and maybe we would have let that influence us too much, and we hadn't really seen him be great yet in the major leagues at least and harper pretty much hit right away after he came up right and he was harper so well but harper hadn't come up yet well yeah before that season minors and trout had been so phenomenal in the minors i mean definitely a better player than i'm probably i don't know maybe the best minor league player i've seen since i was I've, i've started covering baseball uh and so it was close it was I think Harper probably would have won, but not not unanimously by any means. Uh, that year with the prospect rankings, there it, I think that usually Harper would be above Trout, but with the obligatory, you can flip these guys, there's really no difference. And then both of them were behind Matt Moore on a couple of the big ones. Maybe ours, maybe BP's, I can't remember. Maybe MLB.com's, I'm pretty sure, had more ahead of both of them. Anyway, forget where I was going. But uh, three weeks later, I think it was over. Like at that point... Trout was, I mean, Trout had such an insane June, July that, you know, it, it, it had become very hard to say anything was ever going to be better than Trout. Mm-hmm. And we did talk that offseason about which was more impressive, Trout's best year ever for a 20-year-old or Harper's best year ever for a 19-year-old. And so it was still kind of worth discussing. But I guess maybe shortly after that or somewhere along the way, it, it the issue quit being discussed, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody takes Harper now. Nobody. And nobody has for a couple of years over Trout. Fair? Yeah. Accurate? Fair. Okay. So I wonder if Tr- Harper will ever have a better year than Trout. Uh-huh. And so this year, it's close. It's not. The season is not over. But what would you, what would you put? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm not asking you anything. I guess I'm just noting that this is something that I'm now paying attention to for reasons that aren't really clear to me. But 
like no matter what, I think that there's about a 98% chance that Trout will end up being the better ball player and the better career. And the answer to that question two and a half, three years ago, the correct answer was Trout. But I, I do wonder if there will ever be a period in their careers where Harper will be better than Trout. And maybe one year isn't a fair test of that. Maybe one year it doesn't stand in for true talent, even at any given time. But I don't know. I will say that if Trout, if Harper, if a healthy Harper ever has a better year than a healthy Trout, uh, then I will be comfortable saying that for that time at least, uh, he was better than Trout. And I wonder whether it will happen. Do you think it will happen? I don't think that Harper's true talent will surpass Trout's at any point. I guess I would bet against that. So if you're saying that they're both healthy and nothing is hobbling them or anything, but they're they're both at their at their best at that time and Harper is actually better and it's not just like a his defensive stats were better in one season or something, although maybe at that point we'll have better defensive stats and that will actually mean more. But I would guess once you strip out the luck or do do the best that you can to strip out the luck, that Trout will always be better. But it wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I mean Harper seems to be making strides. He has he has put himself back in the discussion, because we are now having that discussion. It's not crazy. Okay, all right, that's what I wanted to say. I mostly just wanted to note the wars. All right, go ahead. Okay, so I wrote about the Astros today, and it was one of those deals where you come up with a topic and everyone agrees on the topic, and then that team gets swept by the Rangers, and you're still writing this topic, and you're not as enthusiastic about it as you were when you started. But, which didn't used to be a problem so much because at BP I would kind of just wing it more or less whereas now I have editors and a schedule and things have to be planned in advance to some extent so you know the trick to that right you know you know the trick to this to how to get away with this I don't know what is it when you start writing and you start citing your evidence you just say as I write this the Astros are whatever and then if if three days later your point is still true, you you take out as I write this and update it with the more convincing numbers. But if they get worse, you leave it. <laughs> it's despicable and what I do. That's pretty clever. I don't yeah. know. I think my editor might see through that and delete the as I write this. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll try it. Anyway, so I wrote. A, I started writing about the Astros the day after their 10-game winning streak was broken, and then they lost a couple more times. And their record looks a little less impressive, but they're still 18 and 10, and they've got a good run differential, and they're still in first place in the AL West by a pretty healthy margin. And so I just tried to look for reasons why they have played well, reasons why they're better, and just sort of summarize their season in 10 stats that I thought were telling. And I want to run through some of those and ask you whether you buy them or whether you think that they are a real reason to be optimistic about this team or any team in general. So I will combine a couple of them. So the first couple stats were about where the Astros pitchers have pitched, where their pitches have been located, and the velocity of the balls that they have allowed hit, right? Because the the Astros, at least coming into last night's game, Wednesday night's game, had something like the fourth best pitching staff so far in baseball. And the names of those pitchers are not necessarily all names of pitchers that you think would belong to the fourth best staff in baseball. So I was looking for reasons why they have survived 
having the slowest throwers in baseball. So they have they've thrown the slowest fastballs, whether it's just four seamers or all fastballs lumped together. Their fastball velocity is under 90 miles per hour. So they are they are the worst at that. And yet they have allowed the second slowest batted balls. And so uh, that seems like something that would correlate to success, and it has for them so far. But this is kind of our first season having this sort of batted ball velocity data, and we don't necessarily know how consistent it is or what it means. So I looked at where they throw their pitches, and they throw their pitches more than any other team low and away, like in the bottom and rightmost little square of the strike zone and a little bit outside of that. And it's like two standard deviations above the the average percentage of pitches thrown in those zones. And so there's some research that's been done by Noah Woodward, who's written for BP. He wrote an article about what the perfect fastball is, and he found that fastball success varies by location. So when you throw inside fastballs, it's really good to have fast fastballs for whatever reason. Like fast fastballs are much better on the inside part of the plate, on the middle part of the plate, everywhere, except low and away. And low and away, there's like no difference. Like just having a pitch there doesn't matter if the fastball is slow slow fastballs are actually better in that area than fast fastballs it seems like why is that he found that it's because they get called for strikes at a higher rate i don't know why that would be exactly whether it's some kind of umpire perception thing like it's farther away from them and maybe it's hard for them to see a fast pitch something like that it could is it uh, yeah and maybe is it is it conceivable? Because we're talking about the bottom and bottom edge of the strike zone, basically, right? Yeah, bottom and and away also. Yeah. So is it maybe conceivable that the pitch is a kind of dropping more simply by by because it's slower? I th- so the umpire's yeah. a slightly higher tunnel coming I, out. Yeah, I think he found. I think he looked at movement, and it didn't make much of a difference. I think he looked at like sinking and rising or whatever, and it was all sort of the same. So I don't know. That's what he found. But looking at thousands of pitches over a few seasons, that seemed to be the case. So anyway, the Astros throw slow. That seems like a bad thing. And yet they throw on the corners and they have allowed, you know, batted balls at like 86.9 miles per hour, which was the the second slowest of any team. So does that do you do you buy that do you buy that like either that they can keep throwing balls there that throwing balls there is actually a solution to not throwing hard and that their batted ball speed allowed so far actually means something and you know tells you that they won't get hit hard i i i guess this is kind of like you're asking is this a plan do, right. have they have they discovered a plan? Right. Is it a plan? And and like, if it is a plan, can they keep executing the plan? So the 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 uh, velocity being especially uh, the lack of velocity being especially good in that area is intriguing. Mm-hmm. And so I would maybe go along with that as the plan. Otherwise, I would say that everybody in baseball knows that that's where you want to throw your pitch, and it's an execution thing. I would say that they've executed very well. Right. This feels like. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have players who have better command, and maybe that's why they're executing. 
Uh, maybe their pitchers have just been doing really well, and that's why they're executing. I would say that it is like short-term encouraging that they have pitchers that are able to hit that spot. It doesn't make me think that there's like a a, a book chapter to be written about this uh, uh-huh. in in the Astros Moneyball book. But yeah, to me that's encouraging, and I would I would say that it is convincingly uh, correlated to their batted ball speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would probably say that. They, it'll get worse because maybe they just won't be as good going forward. But mm-hmm. uh, it's certain, it sounds like a skill, and it sounds like the Astros pitchers are demonstrating that skill. So I'd be happy about that. When would you predict that the Astros Moneyball book will be written? <laughs> or when will it hit bookshelves? Because you know it's coming. Well, I think it's, it's it probably uh, it's already been written, and it will come out shortly after they win the 2017 World Series, right? <laughs> right. Or someone's uh, working on it right now. I don't know. The, uh, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I'm not ready to answer that. I don't know. I'm not sure. There have been, there's been a lot more, just, I don't know if this helps or hurts, but there's been a lot more written about the Astros than there typically is about a team mm-hmm. that is engaged in a process. And so that, I guess that probably helps, right? Because then you have a lot of writers who have already shown proof of concept and can sell that to a publisher. Who doesn't you know who might not particularly care that this stuff is has been known he's he's trying to get into the airport uh, bookstore market mm-hmm. uh, which isn't reading every piece that appears in Sports Illustrated or ESPN the mag or whatever so yeah there's probably gonna be a book mm-hmm. they have to win I mean I, I I also don't like that I I'm still not you know I think the Astros are in a pretty good position going forward uh, but not not clearly better than a dozen other teams in baseball like to me the Cubs are bulletproof. The Astros are a team in a good spot. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing, because you said that you know everyone knows that low and away is a good thing, but if you look at, I mean, it's low and away is good, but there's also like that uh, you know hard in soft away sort of thing. I mean, you know, doing both, you go in yeah. and you go out. The Astros don't really have hard, so they can't really go hard in. They're just kind of everything away. And if you look at like what the Pirates are doing they are getting like the same results with almost exactly the opposite approach. Like they both have really high ground ball rates. They have like the top two ground ball rates in baseball. And yet their location is diametrically opposite. The The Astros are the most away or outside throwing team and the Pirates are the most inside throwing team. And the Astros are the slowest throwing team and the Pirates are the fastest throwing team. So it seems like they are kind of adapting to that. I don't know whether it's that they happen to have these pitchers and they're just making the best of what they have, or maybe, I don't know, the Astros decided that guys who throw hard or cost too much or they get hurt too much or whatever and they're doing some kind of undervalued thing. But it seems like they have done those opposite things because hard fastballs are really good inside and Slow fastballs are not so bad outside, and so they've each done the thing that they can do to maximize their pitching staff's traits. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, so the other big thing, and this is sort of related, is the the BABIP or the defensive efficiency, however you want to put it. So as, as I wrote this article, I will try that line. The Astros had the fourth highest, fifth highest defensive efficiency in baseball, which is the the percentage of balls in play that are converted into outs. And they had the biggest increase relative to 
2014. And so there are a bunch of different explanations that you could have for this. One is the shifts. They have shifted more than any other team, but they also shifted more than any other team last year. They're shifting slightly more this year than they were last year, but it's not a dramatic difference. Or it could be a difference in personnel, like uh, Jake Marisnik seems to be a really good center fielder, and last year they had Dexter Fowler, who seems not to be. And it could be the batted ball thing that we just talked about. They uh, have allowed slower batted balls, and maybe those are easier to field, and that's why their fielders have had a better time of it. But does that convince you? How, how much time do you need to believe that a team is better on defense and is that magnitude of defensive improvement in this smallish sample convincing and also springer springer played less than half the season last year yep uh, and springer's a very good outfielder yeah uh, although they've I, also had jed lowry who's not particularly well, good and i know but i'm i'm saying that that in oh i was just about to say uh what is the breakdown for outfield and infield or for fly balls and grounders because I was, to me, the outfield, before I even saw them play a game, passed the eye test. Mm-hmm. And so this is maybe this is just confirmation bias, but uh, it would take me a lot less time to be convinced that the outfield defense was changing things dramatically for their pitchers. But I'm floored by the... I mean, to me, it seemed like a big issue that they had not only a lot of... or some pitchers who were heavily reliant on infield defense, mm-hmm. and it seemed like they had created a very poor defensive infield to me and so i'm actually very surprised at how well they've done and how well dallas keichel has done and it is possible that maybe they have just with a year of shift data Mm -hmm. they have not just maybe better shifts but maybe they have done a better job of uh, you know the the mythical pitching to the shift pitching to the defense uh, maybe they're able to do that. It wouldn't put. I wouldn't put it past them to have given, you know, been given all this data that they've been paying very close attention to, having taken a step forward uh, on that without us, uh, you know, be, without us knowing it, you know, being a step ahead of us. But otherwise, uh, I am surprised that the infield. That the, well, I don't know. You can tell me. Is the infield BABIP also good, or is the ground ball BABIP also good? Yes, I think it's actually even better relative yeah. to the rest of the league. The Astros, and this is updated have allowed a 187 batting average on ground balls, which is uh, way, way below league average. It's only the Royals have been better. Okay, well, if it's way, way below the league average, then that uh, changes my date a little bit. And without having done any research into League average is 237, so it's like 50 points. Okay, so without having done any research into what my answer actually should be, I will say July 9th. (laughs) Is what? Did I ask you for a date? What what is July 9th? You asked me how long it would take before I (laughs) believe. Uh, oh. didn't you uh yeah I, yeah sort of <laughs> so i will say that uh if they are still doing this well and on july 9th then i will believe that they have a very good defensive infield otherwise i'm still skeptical hmm. okay well because they okay so they replaced dominguez who has a really good defensive reputation but not the best defensive stats or at least he didn't last year i don't think they replaced him with valbuena and they did have Jed Lowry, but now Jed Lowry's out until roughly the date that you just named. So they're going to have uh, Marwin Gonzalez and Jonathan VR and, I don't know, Carlos Correa if they really want to be aggressive about it, and Altuve and Carter or Singleton or whoever. So it doesn't 
sound on paper like it should be a great defensive infield. That is true. And yet all the shifts and and the batted ball stuff, right? Because you said you do kind of believe that, right? And so you would think, and we don't have the past seasons of data to say this really, although maybe you could approximate it with some up, some other sort of information. But you would think that if a team consistently allows slower batted balls, that that would benefit the infielders. Yeah, you would, which would push the date back for believing their infield was good further. Are you asking me whether well, I think their infield is good or whether I... You yeah, I don't care if it's the infield or the pitching or the shifts or what. Just I, the, the combination of everything. July 9th. <laughs> okay, sticking with it. Okay, let me see what their uh, what their ground ball defense was like last year. Last year, nah, pretty much middle of the pack last year, a little below average. Nothing special then. Okay, next stat I guess will be the bullpen. So we've talked about bullpens and their consistency. So last year the Astros had a very very bad bullpen, like the sixth or something worst bullpen of the wild card era looking at you know runs allowed with adjustments for park and and year so it was very very bad they brought back most of that bullpen but they also signed luke gregerson and pat neshek and joe thatcher and they claimed will harris it seemed like it would clearly be a better bullpen but last year or going into wednesday night's game their bullpen collectively had the same stat you know the same era minus which is a like a park adjusted version of era as aroldis chapman last year for cincinnati so their whole their whole bullpen for over a month has been better than aroldis chapman last season who was probably the best reliever in baseball so obviously i'm not asking whether you think that the whole bullpen will be as good as aroldis chapman but they are leading the majors in strikeout rate they are leading the majors in walk rate in the good way, fewer walks. So do you buy that this new Matt Albers-less bullpen is better, significantly better, even above average uh, compared to last year's terrible bullpen? Yes. So you buy that today? I do. Okay. Their base running runs heading into last well, night? Well, no, hang on mm. just a second, Ben. Yeah. I, I'll just go ahead and say, like, yeah, sure, I, I don't even know. But you'll tell me and I'll agree or I won't agree that the base running runs are real. But... You're using this as evidence of why they're in first place. What the spread between the best and the worst base running run teams at this point has to be like six runs, right? Uh, yeah, it's small. Let's see. Well, they're they're leading the league in leading the majors, I think, in stolen bases, and in and they've had like an 85% success rate. The the spread between best and worst base running right now is it's about 12 runs. Okay. So six runs above average, more or less. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, okay. Considering that the <laughs> spread between them and and a 500 team is only 40 runs, that accounts for, you know, a 14% of that. So I'll give it to you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So they've got Altuve and they've got Springer and Marisnik has been really good this year. I don't even know if this is something that I have to ask. Like it seems like those guys should be good base runners, right? There's no. No particular reason to doubt that. No, but there's reason to doubt that the numbers can capture that super quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. base running stats feel... Well, I mean, I, I don't know. This isn't totally comparable. But last year, I wrote a piece comparing Billy Hamilton and David Ortiz as base runners because I wanted to see whether you would rather have 
David Ortiz at second as the tying run. Mm-hmm. Billy Hamilton at first as the tying run. It was an orig- originally an effectively wild email. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by, uh, I want to say True Blood, but maybe, no, Eric. I think it was Eric. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but what made that so fun is that at the time, midway through the season, Billy Hamilton was like one run better as a base runner than David Ortiz. Uh-huh. And partly that's because Billy Hamilton had, get caught, had been caught ceiling a lot. But partly it's that, you know, like you get credit for going first to third, but it doesn't really know what that ball looked like mm-hmm. uh, when you were going first to third. And so, I don't know, I'm just somewhat hesitant to put a lot of stock in base running stats at this point in the season. Uh, um, yeah, I guess. Seems like a seems like a pretty good base running team. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say not yet. Mm. Okay. If you had to ask me to bet on what their true talent level is, I would regress most of the way to average to medium mm-hmm. all right and now this one is kind of interesting so entering again wednesday night's game they had the high they were leading the american league in home runs they had 41 home runs and I buy- I'm, I'm buying it you're buying it okay so so the interesting thing is they had a, a 15.8 home run per fly ball rate and if you just looked at that you might say that you know that is definitely going to regress there's only been one team in the almost 15 years that we've had this kind of data that has sustained that kind of home run per fly ball rate over a full season, the 2012 Yankees. So in that sense, you would say it's not sustainable. And if you look at home run tracker, for instance, a lot of something that a lot of people do when they're trying to see whether someone's home run rate is going to regress, they look at home run tracker and they look at how many of his home runs were classified as just enough which means that they barely cleared the fence. And over 50% of the Astros' home runs were just enough, 22 of 41. And league average is like 35% of home runs is just enough. So in that sense, they've had a lot of home runs that just cleared a fence. Now, it doesn't say what fence, I don't think. So I, I think if you if you hit a home run to dead center 420 feet and it just clears a 415 feet wall, I think that's a just enough, even though, you know, you hit it 80 feet farther than something down the line. So that doesn't necessarily tell you, but often a guy who's had a lot of just enoughs or a team that's had a lot of just enoughs might have been getting lucky. But on the other hand, the Astros have hit the most fly balls in baseball, and they're a team that you would think would hit for power. They're, you know, strikeouts and homers kind of bunch, and they have... Again, looking at their batted ball speed, they have the second farthest distance, average distance of line drives and fly balls, and the third highest average speed of line drives and fly balls. So you kind of have contrasting stuff. Like in the pre-Statcast era, I probably would have looked at their home run per fly ball rate and their just enough home runs and said they've been getting lucky. And, you know, Evan Gaddis did hit a home run off of Will Myers' glove that bounced off of Will Myers and over the wall. So that one was kind of lucky, but it was also to almost the deepest part of the park. So those things would tell you unsustainable, but they have hit the ball that hard. Like, they have the second most homers, and they've hit the ball the second farthest. So do you buy that the Astros are going to be, you know, the best home run team in the American League or something close to that? I do. Yeah, I think I do I, too. I already did. 
are you uh, has I somebody has done the work to see whether uh, we should regress just enough home runs that that, that, uh, that the home run happens? tracker I, I think so yeah the home run tracker site actually says that like on its glossary page if you click on that it says like a guy who's had a lot of just enough home runs might be a candidate to to regress might, or something and I I don't think might, it's true in every case right but I think there has been some some research that has shown that that's the case generally i would expect the astros a lot of their just enough home runs to stop being just enough home runs that i would expect them to just be home runs and some of the not quite enough home runs i would expect some of those to become home runs and some of the just enough home runs to become pop-ups to second base because (laughs) it's like a tiny difference between a pop-up to second base and a home run so i'm going to say that i believe that the just enough aspect of this uh, is a red herring, and that they are a home run hitting team that has hit a lot of home runs uh, and hit a lot of balls hard, and will continue to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are different kinds of luck, right? There's the kind of luck where a team really has just hit a bunch of, you know, sort of weak balls, warning track fly balls that it was windy that day or something, or, you know, they just happened to hit the ball at a slightly different angle and it went out because the fence was one foot shorter in that location that it is somewhere else. And and if it was that kind of thing, then you would say, well, they've been getting lucky and they're, you know, those home runs will stop being perfectly placed and the wind will be blowing in and they won't keep going out. But they've hit the ball really hard, but maybe it's not possible to keep hitting the ball that hard. Like maybe they have deserved most of the home runs that they've had, but but they just can't, you can't stay locked in for a full season like that. Maybe pitchers see that you've hit so many home runs and they stop throwing you strikes. And then you get more pitches outside and it's hard to hit them as well. Or I don't know, you just don't swing quite as effectively. So there are kind of different kinds of, of luck in that sense. If a guy hit, I didn't see the Will Myers one, the one off Will Myers glove. Mm-hmm. What, like, was this like a Jose Canseco thing where it bounced 15 feet? over the fence or was it like a foot <laughs> from going over it was yeah it was close it was it, it i don't think it would have been out if he hadn't touched it but it it was not it wasn't a canseco it was it was very close to a home run if if i were if i saw a team whose hitters hit 10 home runs that scraped the edge of the wall that literally scraped the edge of the wall besides thinking wow they're that like that i might actually start to think they were magic but <laughs> Uh, but if I saw a team that did that, and and assuming that it's not like their backup shortstop who's hitting these, but if it's if they're legit home run hitters like Springer and Carter and Gaddis, if if ten of their home runs were just enough, I would go see that guy hits the ball far, and mm-hmm. and to me that would be evidence that he's going to hit because getting really close to a home run is probably correlates really strongly with hitting. Them. So I would I would not hold the the just enough luck now. Right, they could be on a hot streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have been getting a lot of meatballs from lousy pitchers who are on cold streaks. Right. Uh, but so then you revert to what we know about them. And what we knew about them before the season ever began was that they were going to hit a lot of home runs. And they have been hitting a lot of home runs. And I would expect them to continue. And even if you told me that if you took away all the preamble about Every being second in baseball and first in the AL and just ask me, you're going to hear it. You're going to listen to an ad, and then you're going to listen to a highlight. You understand? <laughs> Make you do it. Let's listen to this highlight. Okay. 
has driven in 5-4 coming in that final game in Oakland. And a high fly ball as he goes up that ladder again. And this ball carrying to center field at the wall. Off the glove and out of here. Right. Two run home run here. I think I won my fantasy league because of that home run. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, all right. I, that's a good play. All right. But uh, if you had not told me where they were in the rankings and just asked me whether they were going to hit a lot of home runs, I would have said yes. So that's my answer. That's 99.3% of my answer. Mm-hmm is that I expect them to hit a lot of home runs because of who they have on their team. Okay. And then lastly, they have obviously had some guys who've been better than we expected them to be, particularly Marisnik, who I think, you know, is legitimately kind of good. And he, I think he's better than a fourth outfielder, which is what people sort of thought he was or might be before this year. But Lowry was hitting incredibly well before he got hurt and Marisnik and, Colby Rasmus has been really good, and I like that signing, but I don't know if he's this good. But they also have Gaddis and Springer and Carter, and those three guys combined, and that was the Astros' second, fourth, and fifth hitters on opening day, had a combined negative 10 park-adjusted batting runs below average entering Wednesday's game. So the three guys who were expected to be, you know, some of their best hitters— have been 10 runs below average collectively. Obviously, Springer is on the concussion DL right now. But those other guys, does this make you optimistic that the Astros can keep playing well? Because, you know, whatever guys have been overperforming will be counterbalanced by the guys who've been underperforming? Or are you not really big fans of Springer, Gaddis, and Carter for this year anyway? Generally, I, I, I don't like to play the this guy this guy and this guy game you know like normally i just i I think that rosters are complicated there's 25 guys every single one of them is under or overperforming, and uh, so i would say that i would consider whoever is doing well or whoever is not doing well to be a wash and i would not make it change my prediction particularly going forward i will say that maybe there's some slight optimism because marisnik's it felt like marisnik had kind of a wider possibility of futures than those other guys like those other guys feel pretty well established i feel like uh, i feel safe regressing them toward their career norms uh, in a way that with marisnik i think well, yeah no he seems like a guy who had the potential to break out i mean he was a a very good prospect with a very good pedigree um and uh you wouldn't have ruled out before this year the possibility that he develops into an all-star and so i would probably consider it slightly more telling or maybe slightly uh, stickier, that uh, he is performing differently than we expect, than the other guy's slumps. So maybe there's a tiny little bit of ep- extra optimism there, um, but not a big deal. And there's also the fact that the AL West collectively, aside from the Astros, has a 420 winning percentage. And that is partially the Astros. <laughs> the Astros are 14-8 and eight against the AL West. But the AL West is still 39 and 51 against non-Astros teams. I mean, they don't have, there's not a winning team in that division or even a 500 team in that division other than the Astros. And that's a big part of the reason why they have a sizable lead and their playoff odds are way up from where they started is because all of the teams that we thought were going to be decent or good have been kind of lousy so far. Are you buying that the AL West is just a kind of a garbage division this year? No. No. Okay. All right. 
So do you think the Astros are any better than, say, a 500 team from this point forward? Keeping in mind that they do have Correa, who is probably the, the best prospect in baseball right now, right? I, I don't know who you would put above him, considering he was, what, like number three heading into the year, and Bryant and Russell are in the major leagues now, and he is tearing up double A, and he's about to be in triple A. So they have him, they've got, I don't know, McCullers and Appel, I don't I wouldn't count on either of them to help this year, but they also have the second lowest payroll in baseball. And it sounds like from uh, their comments that they're willing to do things if they, if they are in a position to do so, it seems like they are because they kind of need starting pitching and they have acknowledged that they need starting pitching. So taking all that into account, do you think that the Astros are better than the, let's see what they are on the playoff odds report, 485 team for the rest of the year probably not like just as with marisnik i think they had a a wider range of possible futures like their 90th and 10th percentile pagoda projections i would imagine cumulatively were higher than the average team so so i'd be a little bit less surprised to be surprised Mm -hmm. but no i don't think i've i don't think that i consider them a great team yet i'm not I, i don't know anything so i'm not ruling it out and god bless them if they are but no, I probably wouldn't bet on them to win more. I, pro- I probably wouldn't bet on them to win more than f- more than half their games going forward. I thought they were close to 500 coming into the year, and yeah. I think they've I, I think they've improved my expectations enough. Factoring in moves that they might make that I would expect them to make, I think I would say that they're a 500 team. Yeah, the fact that they're competitive does just the fact that they're competitive does add another win or three or maybe more to their outlook going forward because uh, if they were winning 76 games then they wouldn't make those moves and if they're winning 86 they probably are and right now just with the wins that they've banked and maybe some slight improvement to your forecast they look a lot closer to 86 and so then you just sort of have to add two or three because Mm -hmm. it like you said it probably brings Correa up sooner it probably means a trade or two or who knows maybe they go crazy at the deadline although I probably not so I had them winning 79 before the season uh started and uh so they were already almost you know they were a 500 club so maybe I would bet on them to win more than half maybe I would maybe right. I I might win I might bet on them to win more than half I might I All might right. I probably should you've talked me into it how much <laughs> good I'm glad how much what how much, how much are we betting? Oh, are we? Let's go. But, but we right. agree. <laughs> That's usually the problem with <laughs> our bets is we are on the same side of them. Very little risk involved in this bet. So yeah. I will bet you $30,000. <laughs> okay, you're on. All right. All right, that is it for today then. So we've got one more show tomorrow, and you can hear it same place earlier time and support our sponsor, The Play Index by going to baseballreference.com and using the coupon code when you subscribe to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription.